0: grumpy old geeks a weekly talk show hosted by brian schulmeister and jason de discussing the finer points of what went wrong on the internet and who's to blame welcome to grumpy old geeks i'm jason de and i'm brian schulmeister i got a weird email this morning brian okay from insight all right and I'm looking at it and I'm like, hmm, this is interesting. It's talking about the Data Privacy Act of 2039. And huh. I click on I click on the link and it says Let's get real. We all know your data is out there, but it's your data, it's your life, and the person who benefits from that should be you. After years of lobbying from Insight and other privacy advocates, Congress has finally taken a stand against big data companies. Recent class action lawsuits and congressional subpoenas have exposed decades of corruption in Silicon Valley. Now the days of corporate exploitation and political manipulation are finally over. Going forward, all companies will have to comply with strict consumer privacy protection laws that will allow you to control your data. Starting today, your life will be yours again. And then as soon as I was done reading that, boom, up pops a trailer for Westworld. <laughs> I forgot that I had signed up for their their fake company
1: emails. Oh, there you go. That's, that's pretty clever, actually. I like to see when shows do these sorts of things.
0: I miss it. We used to do this. I miss it. Yes, it,
1: it used <laughs> to be guerrilla marketing back in the yeah. day. Yes. Back in the day. Very nice. Very nice.
0: So if you still haven't seen the trailer, we talked about it last episode, go watch the damn trailer. It's great.
1: Yeah. Doesn't that start in a couple days, weeks, next week? I Sometime know. soon. Very
0: exciting. I didn't watch the trailer again. <laughs> I've, it's like, it, I don't know. When it shows up in my little app and says, hey, there's a new episode of Westworld, then I'll watch it. Excellent. And a little more follow up here. State court says it isn't theft to remove an unmarked law enforcement tracking device from your car. This comes back to an episode that we did on Security Mm Ha about the Warwick County Sheriff's Office who uh, got a search warrant for this guy's house because they had put a GPS tracker on his car. And when he found it, he took it off. Oh, (laughs) surprise.
1: Hmm. Shocking.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So they waited 10 days to see if it started working again. And then they applied for a search warrant for his home and nearby property because they thought that he had stolen it. And remember, this is an unmarked GPS device that he just happened to find on his car. Well, when they when they did that search warrant, they found methamphetamine and drug paraphernalia. Evidence, police say, to show that he had been dealing drugs. So this has been going <laughs> through the courts. And, uh, well, guess what? It apparently is just fine to take somebody's GPS tracker off your car if it is unmarked. And uh, the state court said last Thursday, Indiana's high court made it official, ruling that the search warrant that allowed police to recover hearing's meth was illegal. The police had no more than a hunch that hearing had removed the device, the court said, and that wasn't enough to get a search warrant. Even if the police could have proved that Huring had removed the device, that wouldn't prove he stole it, the high court said. It's hard to steal something if you have no idea to whom it belongs. Mm. Classifying his action as theft would lead to absurd results, the court noted. Gotcha on a technicality. <laughs> To find a fair probability of unauthorized control here, we would need to conclude that the Hoosiers didn't have the authority to remove unknown, unmarked objects from their personal vehicles. Chief Justice Loretta Rush wrote for a unanimous court. So, you know what? I, I granted the guy's a meth dealer and he's gonna get off scot free on this one, but <laughs> rightly so.
1: Rightly, rightly so. so. Yes, it doesn't you know, he he did something wrong, but that's that's all right in this case. <laughs>
0: yeah. Seriously,
1: yeah, that's interesting. So, good, good job, courts. Well done. Yeah, we finally have a good outcome from the courts. I don't know what to do with this show. We had something positive here. (laughs) Well, positive (laughs) because a meth
0: dealer got to
1: go free. (laughs) Well, you know, it is our show. That's that's about as positive as we can get.
0: You take the good with the bad, and (laughs) there you have the facts of life. (laughs) It really is the facts of life. The facts of meth. The news.
1: Well, we've talked quite a bit about Clearview AI and their kind of (laughs) horrible situation and business model, but uh, guess what? The company that has the largest facial database in the world, probably close to it, anyways, that is being uh, hired by law enforcement agencies to help with their facial recognition, got hacked. Yeah, this is a good one. They actually
0: got their entire list of customers and private data. Whoopsie. Yeah.
1: yeah. So they didn't get the whole like facial database or anything like that because I saw a lot of misleading headlines that said that they got everything. They got the client list and uh, some other stuff, but uh, not yeah. not good, not a good deal. So if you're a law enforcement agency, obviously it's a big deal because you depend on them as a service provider to have good security and uh, <laughs> it seems like they do not. So, no they do not. <laughs> yes. What are you going to do, man? What are you going
0: to do? What are you going to do? Well, guess what you're going to do? You're going to go buy some DoorDash stock because they're about to go public. No, I am not.
1: (laughs) This is (laughs) another company I will never invest in.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because when you get your stock from DoorDash, it's from some other company. And it's probably upside down and cold. That's (laughs) right so yeah they have finally filed and uh they're doing a uh what what is this thing called a confidential ipo filing which allows startups that are still in quote unquote growth mode and in parentheses i love this often unprofitable (laughs) to explore the early stages of setting themselves up for a public listing without the public scrutiny that comes with the process we work may have wanted to It's like, check that out first because that's what killed them. Oh, by the way, have you finished the We Crash podcast yet? Not yet. No. Have you started it?
1: Not yet. No.
0: Don't. (laughs) Oh, okay. Here's here's my pro tip for the week. If you were going to listen to the We Work uh, We Crashed podcast on Wondery, you don't have to because if you've been a fan of this show, you've heard all the headlines all along and all they do is basically read off a lot of the headlines. And when you get to episode two, there's a giant hole, two or three, because they stole an interview from Rich Roll his podcast that he didn't give them permission to do. And then they just took it on their own and said, Hey, we're going to run your interview. And they said it was just a clerical error and they were going to ask for permission and give him credit, but no, they did not. So that episode <laughs> now has a complete hole in it that kind of makes the rest of the episode fall apart. So uh, skip that podcast. It was, uh, you know, it, it's really well produced. I mean, Wondery does really good production, but the problem is, The entire thing was pretty thin, and it was just a lot of uh, stuff we already knew, honestly. Right, right. Yeah, but yeah, skip that and
1: skip the DoorDash IPO. (laughs) Will do. Uh, Found another really interesting article here. Uh, I don't know if you know who Dennis Prager is, Jason. Um, He's been a long-time Los Angeles area talk radio staple. Uh, Yeah, the name's very familiar, He's a he's a very religious guy, and he does a a show called I think uh, Prager on the Right or Prager on something or other. Um, A lot a lot of stuff about morality and things of that nature, and he takes phone calls. Oh, something I would never something you would never ever be interested in. But I've listened to him on and off in the past, and and I found his show to be generally pretty good. But apparently, he has this thing called uh, Prager University, which uh, basically what's what's the number one rule about building uh, our own castles? We should do that on uh, not on other people's land. Yeah, so he's, yeah, yeah. he's built yeah, out don't, Prager.
0: Don't, don't build it in somebody else's
1: backyard if you don't want them to turn on the sprinklers at night and get you all wet well that's exactly what happened to him so he built out this thing called prager university which uh has a lot of right-wing propaganda apparently um and he built it on youtube so and youtube i guess uh, started to pull some of his videos because they did not like some of the stuff i guess apparently uh Lying about climate change, denying that straight people get HIV, viciously vilifying Muslims, and declaring that men get turned on by any sight of female flesh. Um, I've never heard these things out of Dennis Prager before, but apparently this is up there, and YouTube said, well, we're going to pull some of this down. And he said, no, I have a First Amendment right, and he's been uh, suing, basically, and... Uh, finally, the court said, no, you actually don't have a First Amendment right. YouTube does not, <laughs> as a private company, does not have to host your videos if they do not want to. No shirt, no shoes, no service. <laughs> no service. So, yeah, I mean, it's good to know this. I-, I think it was somewhat ridiculous. You can't force a private company to do anything. Um, that's just not right. So there you go. Yeah, it's called terms of service. Maybe <laughs> read them next time. Yes. And uh, this isn't really tech, but it's certainly in the news. And I just, you know, I love it when the headlines are questions. That's something we do here on this show, and this is over on Slate. So, should you panic about coronavirus now?
0: No, <laughs> no, 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 no. You
1: shouldn't <laughs> panic about the coronavirus. However, there are some reasons to be concerned here, as we heard the news this morning. I don't know if you heard, but friends of the show, uh, Sean and Tara, who live in Tokyo, posted that uh, Tokyo or Japan has closed schools until April. Yep, all I heard of about them. that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So mm-hmm. while we have had the CDC here announce that basically there it will be an outbreak. It's most likely going to happen here in the states. There's no way it's not going to happen. Something is going to ha- happen. Uh, one should not panic. About getting the disease, so much as you should probably start to prepare for the possibility of things like your kid not going to school for a while, or maybe stocking up so you don't have to go to the grocery store for a while, or things of that yeah. nature, which is, uh, which for people that live paycheck to paycheck, this could be a very serious issue. So, yeah. that is something that you may want to prepare for a little bit.
0: Yeah, and uh, of course, because my roommate has been going crazy with her friends, and should we, do we, we got to prep, 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 like, we need beans. Everybody go buy beans. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. Okay, Prepper 101. This is what nobody thinks about, and uh, as being an ex-prepper from from the old days. <laughs> yes, you are. You are I, intimately familiar with the, these thoughts. I am a reformed <laughs> prepper. Here's the thing that you need to really buy the most if you're going to be hunkered down that nobody thinks about. Mm -hmm. there's two things actually first thing is alcohol because you're going to need it to get through the days uh the second thing is toilet paper that's really what everybody forgets they're all worried about the food the consumption but they're not thinking about the next day when you gotta (laughs) wipe your booty so that's the one thing that everybody forgets to put on their shopping list so if you are thinking about the coronavirus and you do want to be a prepper which you shouldn't because it's dumb um oh by the way, I went to go get do I have Since Already I had do I have it's taken and it's for sale for ten thousand dollars. And I found a <laughs> couple other variants of it because, you know, I think I think these people read my blog post back in the day when I made a bunch of money from do I have dot com. Uh, yeah, <laughs> well, I gotta tell you exactly the amount of the, uh,
1: the amount of spam email I'm getting related to the coronavirus is through the roof at the moment.
0: Oh, I haven't gotten any because I use Gmail and they filter shit out like that. (laughs) But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, and we're in Southern California, which is probably Southern California, like here in L.A. and San Francisco, probably San Francisco more than L.A. will probably be where any major outbreaks happen because these are the landing spots for most of the flights from China or anybody coming from China. So we'll see. We'll see. But I'm not worried about it one bit.
1: Well, you I'm, more I'm literally
0: more I'm literally <laughs> more worried about an earthquake than I am the coronavirus. And yes, I do not leave the house. I yeah, can always so yeah. order DoorDash. <laughs> you can always have have the coronavirus brought have directly the, to you. Cold <laughs> and <lifeless>. directly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I ordered coronavirus. Why did you bring me Hep C? Come on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Amazing. Now, there's, the, there's something going on over on Twitter, shockingly enough, and regarding the presidential race and all this sort of stuff. And I, I just get so confused by by Twitter and, and, and all the social media pronouncements about uh, what their rules are and their actual enforcement of them. So uh, Mayor Bloomberg is running what I guess could be <laughs> considered... Uh, a groundbreaking online campaign because <laughs> he's, uh, gorilla he's using campaign. a guerrilla
0: campaign it's it's oh. a
1: guerrilla campaign there's no doubt about it he is spending a lot of money and has hired a lot of very smart uh maybe not necessarily on the straight and narrow he, people
0: he hired the guys <laughs> that did the fire festival come really? on that's yes. amazing yes Yes, the people well, that are doing his media campaign are the people that created the fire festival.
1: Well, you tell cannot... me how
0: well this is going to go.
1: Well, the the end result may not be good, but you cannot deny how good they were at getting people to go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is uh, yeah. which is exactly what his campaign is supposed to be doing right now. It's supposed to be getting people to vote for Bloomberg. So he is uh, he's. Doing a whole bunch of stuff online, a lot of memes being done uh, there 's the ones in question in particular is he sent out a few tweets which the Bloomberg campaign called satire, featuring fictitious quotes attributed to Bernie Sanders, in which Sanders appears to praise dictators like Kim jong un Bashar al Assad and Vladimir Putin with the hashtag, hashtag bernie on despots so Bernie oh, never Jesus said any of this Christ. stuff. Obviously. And they're attributing these quotes to Bernie. And they're saying that, you know, of course, these things were satire and a joke. And uh, to their defense, if you see all the tweets in context viewed together, it is kind of obvious that they were satirical. However, that's not the way algorithms on these social medias work, does it? You see one. And you do not see them together and you do not see them in context. Uh, So Twitter is saying, well, we don't we don't have to pull these. But a lot of people are saying, well, maybe you should have, because that's kind of going against some of the terms of service that you guys have set up.
0: Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Here's the deal. I mean, I I read the stats on Bloomberg so far. He spent over 400 million dollars on Google ads and Facebook ads, which (laughs) comes down to 30 Thousand ads being shown to people on the internet per minute yep. per minute so here's the thing though uh the only people that are going to get rich off this campaign are google and facebook because he is <laughs> never going to get get the presidency <laughs> everybody is piling on this guy he's like you know trying to rewrite the history of stop and frisk at this point it's just not gonna work
1: oh yeah man. it's uh oh well just more hey, money in uh, Facebook's but,
0: pocket but, but uh michael bloomberg if you're listening to our show we will we will run your ads no problem <laughs>
1: yeah, we will definitely we'll take run your money your ad. yes <laughs> <laughs> and in the autonomous driving area Still 20 years out. Moving on. No, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, moving on. No. So there's a company called Easy Mile, which is a autonomous shuttle rides. that are running in 10 U.S. states right now. But U.S. vehicle safety regulators have suspended operations for them after a passenger in Ohio was injured in a braking incident last week. According to the NHTSA, the battery-powered bus service will be halted in 10 U.S. states while it safety issues related to both vehicle technology and operations. Uh, this is the wait, second wait. incident that has occurred.
0: So, so somebody somebody gets injured in a braking incident, and they stop operations for the company. Tesla kills how many people now we're up to like a you know they, they've actually killed people with their their faulty technology and they still get to sell the cars where's the
1: fairness here? Oh wait, we don't live in a fair world that's right what, what, what are you talking about fairness? You want fairness and consistency that doesn't happen on this show ever with any company that's right. ever. What yes. I was confused about by this is um, a passenger fell from their seat after the shuttle made an emergency stop. The vehicle had been traveling at a blistering, blistering. seven miles per hour. It's
0: like, like the ad where your hair is flying back and you have to grab your martini because it's going to go flying
1: off the table. Oh, seven. Seven <laughs> miles an hour. So I think this could have easily been solved by. I don't know. I didn't look. Seat Seatbelt. <laughs> I think a seatbelt would have solved this problem.
0: <laughs> yes.
2: Oh, <sighs> God.
1: <laughs> you have all the technology and brains in the world to create an autonomous vehicle that has cameras and LiDAR all over it, and you don't put in fucking seatbelts. <laughs> yep. Uh, I love the future, man. I fucking love the future. <laughs> we got you a jetpack. No brakes.
0: Ups and doodads.
1: And we talked a couple weeks ago, a couple episodes ago, God knows when, I don't remember anything anymore, uh, about Venmo and mobile payment apps. Um, I didn't know quite how many people were actually using them, but it's pretty shocking. About four in five Americans use mobile payment apps, according to a new survey from NerdWallet. And two-thirds of payment app users say they have kept a balance in their payment apps. Um, just the how bastion much- of journalism, NerdWallet. <laughs> hey, man. Go back to our early shows and <laughs> we said BuzzFeed was a piece of crap that would never amount to anything. Now it's the major is- news stores of the country. We <laughs> ate massive piles of shit on that one, didn't we? Yeah, yeah we're usually right. We were not right about BuzzFeed.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: So um just how much may surprise you forty six percent of people surveyed keep more than $100 in their account, and the average for how high users will let their balance get before withdrawing is up to $287 now. Now, this is the time to point out that while bank accounts are FDIC insured, which means if you're a victim of fraud or your bank fails, the government covers up to $250,000 in your account. Mobile apps, not so much. So don't leave your money in there, outside of the fact that you could, of course, be making a tiny amount of interest if you actually kept it in a real account. Take your money out of these things. Don't, 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 don't leave it in there.
0: So on some of my accounts, I actually do keep a fairly high balance. And the one that I keep my bias balance in is PayPal, which is, Honestly, I know the dumbest one to keep a balance in because they are so draconian, and they could just say, no, 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 no. We have reports of you doing something bad, so we're just going to keep your money and we're going to never tell you what you did bad. <laughs> you, you use the word Cubano sandwich. Yes, exactly. So, <laughs> thank you very much because now we're going to take your money and go buy a bunch of cubano sandwiches. <laughs> so, I, I, I need to get better at
1: this. I, I'm, I'm guilty of. This. I think but- everybody does. Just clear, clear it out. Leave, leave you know, twenty bucks, thirty bucks in there for so you can Venmo your 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 employees for the l- lunch payments and things like that. But don't leave a lot of money in these things ever. Everyone. Yeah, because
0: refunding them is free, like it's tied to your bank account. So refunding the account doesn't cost you anything. So take the money out mm-hmm. and do it that way. Because I mean, that's the really the way to do it. I I did find out because we just talked about Apple Cash on the last episode. And I did, I was able this morning to actually tie my Apple Cash account as a payment source on Apple Pay. So, I actually went to Trader Joe's this morning, and I paid for my eggs and my chips and my my, uh, hard kombucha with uh, (laughs) my watch and Apple Pay. So, it works. It actually works. So, I'm trying to clear that out. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. We live in the future, man. I pay with my fucking watch. Come on.
1: Seven miles an hour, Jason. Seven Seven miles miles an hour. hour.
0: (laughs) Exactly.
1: Without a (laughs) seatbelt.
2: brick a brick
1: I found this story, and I just thought this is great. Um. (laughs) Oh, Apple. Oh, lawyers. (laughs) Gotta keep them busy. According to Knives Out and Star Wars The Last Jedi director Rian Johnson, Apple has strict stipulations in its product placement contracts that its devices cannot be used by any villainous characters. (laughs) This explains a lot. Doesn't it, though?
0: I don't know if you remember, like, when 24 first started. You -hmm. could tell... If if the good guys or the, who the good guys and the bad guys were before the before you got to the part in the story, like if they were using a Mac or a PC, because the good guys always used Macs and the bad guys always used PCs, that was just something that we all all knew. We were like, "Oh, that guy's going to turn. No, don't, don't listen to him. <laughs> don't listen to him, Jack. No, no, no. He's going to stab you in the back. He's got a PC. He's running Windows. You're screwed, and without fail every time. So now we know why."
1: Yes, he went on to say, Apple, they let you use iPhones in movies, but this is very pivotal Pivotal if you're ever watching a mystery movie. Bad guys cannot have iPhones on camera. Every single filmmaker who has a bad guy in their movie that's supposed to be a secret wants to murder me right now. So they all know the yeah. code. And it's not clear when this policy was implemented, though, because if you go back to 2013 and you think about House of Cards, Frank Underwood, he was always using Apple devices. so. He wasn't a villain. Come on. Oh, you see him (laughs) as the the, hero? (laughs) He was the hero. He was the hero. You have such an interesting outlook on (laughs) like.
0: I'm sorry. I I still miss Doug Stamper. He was my favorite. Well, he does hair
1: commercials now. Yeah,
0: and he killed Marvelous Mrs. Maisel.
1: Oh, yeah, that's right.
0: Warmer, sunnier days are calling, and it's time to fuel up with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer. Thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like calorie smart, protein plus and keto. Factor Fresh's never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just 2 minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Make today the day that you kickstart a new healthy routine. What are you waiting for? Step into a world of endless culinary delight with over 35 enticing meal options and over 60 tantalizing add-ons refreshed weekly. This May, supercharge your wellness journey with dietitian approved dishes built on ingredients you can count on. Treat your taste buds every day from sunrise to sunset with effortless nutritious choices spanning from energizing breakfasts to delectable desserts. Indulge in the luxury of restaurant-caliber meals right at home. Savor the sophistication of filet mignon, the freshness of shrimp, and the bold flavors of blackened salmon. Simplify your life with Factor Meals, ready in just two minutes. Say goodbye to grocery runs, tedious prep, and cleanup. I love these things. I can't even tell you what I had this week because I had so many of them. But that's the great thing about Factor. Every week you have new options, and they're delicious. And you can tailor your eating experience with six specialized menu options. Plus, 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Everyone needs a world-class VPN. Grumpy Old Geeks recommends private internet access to protect your online privacy and identity. With just one private internet access VPN subscription, you can connect up to 10 devices at the same time. Go to gog.show slash VPN and sign up today. For a limited time only, you can get our favorite VPN for just $2.69 a month when you sign up for two years. gog.show slash VPN. That's gog.show
1: slash VPN. And we are here with Andy Stochansky, who wrote our awesome Exit song, and I've known for quite some time. <laughs> and uh, I wanted to have you on because we talk a lot about the music industry and music mm-hmm. on here as well as technology. And I thought, who better to talk to because you've been doing this music thing for a very long time. Um, you want to give us uh, some of your career highlights, toot your own horn a little bit, introduce yourself?
2: Uh, okay. First of all, ha- thanks for having me on. Uh, okay. Highlights, uh, started with a ton of bands in Toronto when I was around 20 years old and then was seen by Annie DeFranco. So it did, a toured and recorded with her for seven years. Excellent. Um, after that decided I really needed to do my own thing. Like I was just really chomping at the bit for that and jumped the Annie DeFranco tour uh s- and found myself writing on guitar
1: you started as a drummer right were you always a multi instrumentalist or did you pick all that up as you went along
2: you know i did the piano lessons at the end of the street thing when i was a kid mm-hmm. and i hated it <laughs> but now of course i'm 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 so glad that my parents made me do that so yeah i was always making songs if it wasn't you know piano and my parents bought me a drum kit. I have no idea what they were thinking on that. But um, yeah, and I'd practice when they would be out of the house. And so, okay. So I'm doing seven years with Ani and suddenly find myself, yeah, I to teach myself guitar. And I was seen in a bar. It was like a scene from a movie that never happens. And it actually happened. I was seen in a bar. Uh, by RCA Records and got signed as a singer-songwriter with them. Right. So suddenly I made two records with them. And at the end of the two records, that's when all the kind of reshuffling happened, when, when Napster was around and everybody was losing their deal. And I lost my deal, lost my manager. You were in the process of writing your third album at
1: that time, right? That's That's actually when we met. Yes.
2: Yes. And... <laughs> You know, I thought, okay, what, when, when the whole record company thing went, ended, I thought, what do I want to do? Like, what actually makes me really happy to get up in the morning? And I realized it was when I was co-writing with other people because it allowed me to kind of just jump the genres, which is something I've always, I've loved all kinds of music. So suddenly it was like, this is the job for me. I can kind of, you know, jump. All these different kinds of things I love, co write with other people. And that's what I started to do. So I moved to LA and started co writing about 10 years ago. And, you know, I've had success with co writing, nothing major in the US. I mean, I think the most major thing was doing, you know, something with the Goo Dolls with Johnny or having a track with Cider Sky on Twilight movie. And, uh, I thought, I really want to make another record on my own again. (laughs) So around a year ago, I decided to make my own record. And I wrote and produced everything on my own, which is something I haven't done in 10 years. I thought, God, there's no way I can write on my own. I need to co-write. But I did it all on my own. And I called it White Elephant Orchestra to be able to just give me carte blanche to do whatever I wanted. and right. I made eight songs.
1: Excellent. Now, one of the interesting aspects for for me that I that I think has changed so much, and I, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Think about the first album that you recorded and the technology that you used.
2: Mm-hmm. You
1: were probably in a studio with an SSL desk and all of that yeah. sort of stuff, right? And I bet you did ninety nine percent of this album in your room on your
2: laptop. Exactly. That's exactly where I did.
1: <laughs> yeah. Do you find
2: that freeing? Yes. All right. (laughs) The only negative of that is that I start getting complete cabin fever because I'm all alone. Right. So I'll, I'll, you know, I'll go out at night or, you know, talk to people. And I'll be just like, "Hey, how how are you?" <laughs> like just completely psycho because I haven't talked to human in days. <laughs> that's the <laughs> well, negative like, side of
1: it. Yeah, you're talking to two people who work from home too, so we totally get that. Yeah. Um, um, you know, the other thing? Do you think Do you think there's a negative to it that the barrier to entry is so low now? Yes. So yeah, yeah that's what that's what I see too. I just see a lot of really really bad music out there. People who haven't well, put in the time.
2: Mm Hmm. You have to basically, and to anybody who's listening, is about to dive in. You have to get above the fray of the billion songs that are being put every day. I talked to a a music supervisor, and she gets a you know few hundred songs a day. Right. So not enough time to even listen to them. No. How are you going to stand out from that? Like you. This. Yeah, it's almost impossible. So,
1: yeah, because I think you're you're of all the people I know, you're probably one of the most um you consume the most music. You listen to so much music, which I I I assume feeds into the inspiration for your own stuff as well, but you you probably know better than I do just how much music out there is 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 not done well or is isn't fashioned well because there is such a low barrier to entry now. Anybody with a laptop can write a song and put it out.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and we see that. The, th- the other thing about putting out songs in the day of, you know, getting, you know, music supervisors getting hundreds of songs a day is that the shelf life of a song, if you have it, if you have some fans or listeners or somebody's interested, the shelf life these days is like two, three weeks tops. And you have to keep putting out content. So that's why you always see people doing something new every four or five weeks. Or else they'll just kind of lose momentum. Yeah.
1: Well, that's another thing that I think technology has done. That streaming certainly. The album as a format is dead. It's it's just releasing singles regularly, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So
2: everything has to be a single. Everything has to be a single. That's something I I really fought hard against because my entire life, my life has changed because of albums. Like I've loved, Um, and I know that's you know for you as well yeah definitely
1: um, and yeah. The, the, the best songs were usually the the deep album cuts, right the, the, the ones that you grew to love more, but that we don't have that time frame for music anymore, like mm-hmm. you were saying, a, a song lasts two to three weeks tops, and that's that you don't go back and revisit and discover yeah. new things
2: yeah yeah, yeah, it's weird, um but you know you have to kind of for me, I had to learn that, and I had to learn that. You know, I put out a record that was eight songs and people are like, what's a record? Like I had to release it single by single against my will. Here's the other thing against my will is that I'm a completely (laughs) private person. So for me to Instagram something is, you know, like cutting away part of my soul. You can't survive in today's day without doing that.
1: Yeah, well, that was actually the very next thing I wanted to talk to you about. Um, You know, back when you started again, you... You know, the record label would come and take pictures of you, and then they would set up some interviews for you to do, and Mm -hmm. that would be that. Yeah, They don't even do that anymore. You need to do it all yourself. The the technology, again, in one hand, I assume it can be a very powerful thing to be in control of your own own presence, but Uh the need to do it, you have to now be on every social network, and you have to promote yourself constantly. Constantly, yeah. Yeah. And that, like,
2: for me to do that is the hardest (laughs) thing in the world.
1: Well, yes, Um, I know you so well. But the funny thing is I found that a lot of of musicians, uh, especially front people, be them male or female, or I guess in this age we have to say, be they they, whatever they may be, mm -hmm. uh, I find them generally, most of the ones I've met are very private people. And it is difficult, like, the, the old-style format of just, you know, having to do some interviews with a journalist, fine. But, like, actively mm-hmm. being out there and engaging directly with fans is very uncomfortable.
2: Here's – yeah. Like, for me, going live on Instagram, like, I haven't crossed that hurdle yet. You have to do it. And here's another thing. Like, things that I see throughout my day – Um you know, just used to privately inspire me to make art or to make music or, and now those things that I see, I have to put up on Instagram and I feel like I'm worrying out the very things <laughs> that, that used to, that are now, you know, used to You're giving me, away your mojo. <laughs> completely giving away my mojo. It's like, but you got to do it because now you are your, your own AR and guy, your own A&R person, um, marketing person, and you have to do it all now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a completely different world than the one we came up in, isn't it? I do like one of the things that, that you are doing, I think, which is really ingenious, um, to get your kind kind of promote yourself. I love the Spotify
2: playlists that you're, you're building all the time. Wow. Thank you. I, I used to have a radio show that was like Wednesday afternoon in Toronto. Um, and it was one of the coolest, most powerful stations in Toronto. That kind of seriously, like politically left of center, but underground, little college station that was incredible. And I would imagine someday somebody's going to do a documentary about it. Okay, so I've got this afternoon show. Somebody gives this the person, you know, this person gives me this radio show, and but says you can't ha- you can't just play the stuff you love. You have to find new stuff every week. And that was like going to school, literally, for me. Because suddenly I had to learn what, like, you know, a free jazz song mixed into, like, a reggae song mixed into an African song. Like, it all had to blend. And that still, today, I still use that today, all the time in my in my work.
1: That's amazing, yeah. And I think that's really a great way to consume music. I, but do you... Do you find for people that you know or or you, I, you obviously come in contact with a lot of younger generation listeners at this point now, too, do you think that the technology, the streaming has inhibited that? Because, because, you know, you get the algorithm, you listen to this, so you're probably going to want to listen to this and you get more and more kind of stuck into a genre rather than skipping about.
2: Actually, believe it or not, it's gone the complete opposite. And I only know this from asking people from younger generations like what they like and genres as like there are no walls with with what they listen to in a playlist people who young people who make playlists will jump genres like they like no tomorrow it's awesome so that's a positive i have no idea how that happened but <laughs> it's maybe maybe it's because everything is so up there on on the table on spotify that they just click through a thousand things Right, you know,
1: I've definitely noticed it in the younger musicians. Uh, I think about musicians like um, Lord or Kay Flay or um, even mm-hmm. Billy Eil- Eilish. Uh, there, there are no genres in their songs. No, um, they're they're all over the place. You know, it's it's a a goth yeah. vocal over a reggae melody. It's it's, it's great. It's great. I love Go- seeing
2: that. So, going back to your question about technology and what that's done to today's music. I pulled over the car in Toronto because I'm listening to, you know, um, the Billie Eilish single, you know, it's bad guy. And the vocal, that vocal goes into like this kind of like a white noise feedback thing at that when she says bad guy, it goes into this like static white noise. And I thought if they wouldn't have made that in their bedroom, that would have never have happened. Every A&R person would have gone, no. Wait, that's not, that's not a single on radio. And there it is getting played on radio. And that was incredible. So there's another positive that you could, you know, they really found their thing, her and her brother in the bedroom because of that technology. That sounds wrong. Oh, Jesus. <laughs>
1: No, I, I see what you mean. And I actually hadn't even really even considered that before because I remember sitting in on so many of those meetings with the bands that I worked with and, and you know, watching the creativity being kind of dialed back in terms of because, because of the corporate boardrooms, right? And and if yeah. you can find a way to find something special now, you can avoid that, mm-hmm. which is yeah. a good thing. Yeah. Yeah.
2: The other plus I want to mention is being able to release your music so quickly, like, you know, you could write and record something and have it out the next day on the socials. And that, I think, is uh, is such a great thing.
1: That's true, that's true. Actually, that makes me think about one other thing which I wanted to ask you about, which is, uh, how do you get paid now? <laughs> <laughs> because before, you'd put out albums, people would buy them, you would get checks. Now you're basically putting your music out for free.
2: Well, you have, there are people out there who check your royalties for all the things that pay. You can, you know, join these different associations to do that. Um, With record sales, you have to play live to be able to sell merchandise because you're not really going to sell it unless you're on tour. And and so, you know, hence, I predicted all these bands from the 80s that are now coming to tour... Yeah. I predicted this four years ago. I told Lisa that I said, streaming is not going to pay. They're going to have to go live. And all of a sudden we have reunion tours. <laughs> and, yeah. Cause those and checks stopped
1: coming in, didn't they?
2: <laughs> those checks stopped coming. And now we have like the police or whoever, you know, talking heads or, you know, we're going to start seeing all those bands or holograms of those bands touring. <laughs> and, 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 you know, I I don't want to picture somebody post 60 having to tour to pay the rent, but that's going to happen. It's our reality.
1: Yeah, that is the reality now. So I am looking forward to you starting your tour.
2: Oh, thank you. I cannot wait for somehow, somewhere, this is going to happen.
1: Excellent, man. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us. We'll have all your links in our show notes so people can find you. And I do recommend checking out Andy's Spotify playlist, they are amazing.
2: Oh, thank you, Brian. Thanks, Jason. Closing
0: shout-outs!
1: Big thanks to Andy Stachansky for coming on. Make sure you check out his site and go listen to some of his music. I did so myself last night, and I forgot how much I like Andy's stuff. Good stuff. And a bit of sad news from one of my other favorite bands of all time. Mazzy Star's David Roback has passed away at 61. No word why or how or what happened, but man, I love Mazzy Star. What a great band. Sad sad news. Never listen to him. Never listen to him. Never will. (laughs) Never will. (laughs) Until next time, I'm Brian Schulmeister, cruising on at seven miles an hour. And
0: I'm Jason DeFilippo. Thanks for listening to Grumpy Old Geeks. To support the show and keep us on the air, go to GOG.show slash donate. Toss us a few bucks and we'll love you forever. Your support really keeps us going and we really appreciate it. Show notes for this episode are at GOG.show slash 418. From there, you can find links to old stuff. From there, you can find... <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Just old stuff. old stuff from there you can find links to old episodes leave
1: feedback ask questions donate to the show and get links to stuff we like stay grumpy and a special shout out to our montreal quebecians 418 area code quebec